Collins, what have you been up to lately? Oh, you know, this and that. Glee's got me into Flesh and Blood. Yeah, I heard. I heard uh, Kirsten was into Flesh and Blood as well. Yeah, she top-aided her first Road to Nationals, which was fun. That was really awesome. So yeah, that that definitely gave her the fighting spirit, I guess you could say. (laughs) Didn't she beat... Did she beat? Who did she beat on her way? Did she beat you? She in that beat one? you or, and me, right? No, no, she didn't. Beat no, she me. didn't. She okay, yeah. but she beat another one of the boys, right? She okay, beat two of us. She beat me crew. and Jacob. Ah, yeah. right. But I, I was her only loss. Oh, that's right. I remember that she played you. <laughs> yeah, she's still chasing that one. Yeah, no, she she gets it and she's good and uh, it's fun to. We've been playing some. We built this gigantic proxy gauntlet that we ended up taking with us to Italy for my cousin's wedding and that was a lot of fun. Flesh and Blood I think is gonna be here to stay. Here to stay maybe in the same way as like Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon where you know maybe it never quite gets as popular as Magic but the game mechanics are excellent and the design is excellent. Rewards focusing on the minutia in a way that I think makes just a really good game. So that'll be my like small, small nudge, my, my review for you. <laughs> no, and, and I know like a lot of people whose opinions I trust like it a lot. So I, I'm sure that I would enjoy it. And I, I've, you know, played a couple of games of it. and I can see that it would be fun, but I don't know if it's worth. I just I don't know, man. I think I'm like mostly done with card games generally except for this one that i like have just huge sunk costs invested into well you know yeah i will also say that i think that one of the bigger pulls to flesh and blood for me is one of the reasons that kirsten never really wanted to get into magic was because we were at such polarizing levels Mm -hmm. and that was kind of like too much but like we got into this one together at the same time so we're both learning it together and that is just really nice to be able to share that with somebody you spend so much time with so yeah that is really cool i mean maybe certainly if Kristen wants to start learning it then i'm sure that we could it's, have fun learning Kristen. it together um no, no my no. girlfriend's name is Kristen. <laughs> oh Kristen. oh god oh god <laughs> i forgot yeah hope y'all playing that very poorly <laughs> <laughs> oops Hey everyone, welcome to episode 258 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Collins Mullen. Hey, Collins. Hey, Chris. How's it going? It's a little little bit of time time travel. What, what year is it? Et cetera, et cetera. The, uh, the intro was uh, was definitely a throwback. I appreciated that. <laughs> uh, it's just same intro. Why, why break something that... Or why fix something that isn't broken? Whatever the expression is. But Collins is back. Lee is still the co-host. Lee is also here. Hey, Lee. Yeah, I'm just, you know, chilling in the background. Hey, Lee. Right now, waiting for my moment to strike. Hi, Collins. <laughs> I never really know, like, how to bring people in to the episode. You know, everybody's here. It's not like somebody's not here until I introduce them and then they magically, like, are on the call. But also, that's definitely how... A bunch of like professional podcasts do it. It's like, all right, we're going to have our normal like pre-show thing. Maybe it's recorded like after recording or maybe it's recorded when the guest is in the studio. But we're going to talk for 10 minutes and then we're going to bring in the guest. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Guest is here. Obviously, y'all heard Collins on the cold open, whichever of that becomes the cold open. 
It really gives away the like whole mystique of uh, is Lee even here anymore? Did he go away after the cold open? <laughs> <laughs> and then there is always the spoiler of like the title that you click on whenever you're listening to a podcast, right? And and like obviously, I need to tweet like Collins is back for this episode, and then we get that that Collins Mullen boost. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Collins, uh, what? Why are you here? What's going? What? <laughs> well, mainly because I miss you guys. But then, secondarily, I last weekend won an RCQ. Yay! Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. I. Uh, it was kind of a last minute gig. We were playing trivia at the Gathering Place on Friday, and we won. By the way. Oh yes, we did win trivia, which was nice. Good job. No thanks to me <laughs> or anybody <laughs> sitting in my immediate vicinity at our table because we were playing liar's dice. My, my side of the table was was carrying pretty hard. Yes, uh, yeah. People on the other side of the table were very smart and knew a lot of things and and won trivia for us. But so it was like I don't know. It was like eleven thirty at night, and uh, Chris, other Chris, said, "Hey, Collins, why don't you come and play modern with us tomorrow? We're, there's an RCQ in Greenville." And I was like, "Greenville? I know that place." Yeah, I decided to go. Will told me that he had pretty much the same Rhinos deck that I played at the last RCQ I went to. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I haven't really played any Modern since then. So I hope that Modern hasn't really changed at all. And <laughs> spoilers, it hasn't really, except for the fact that Alan Swan has been running up a tear with this new Breach archetype that I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. And I'm sure you have talked about already. In fact, it's, I, I would call it no longer new, oh, as yeah, much as no, we talked sure. about it. So. Uh, it was kind of new to me at the tournament. Sure. Because, well, and I guess I should like preface that by saying that Alan Swan did beat me in the top four of the last RCQ that I played in with that Reach deck. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had no idea how to sideboard. And then we played again in the top four of this event. Spoilers. <laughs> did, you, did you have a better idea of how to sideboard this time? Or... Yes, and okay, honestly, I was really looking forward to it because the last time I sideboarded horrendously, I boarded in my entire sideboard. Because <laughs> they have everything. They've got state. creatures, they've got artifacts, they've got a, a storm combo so a that you can fluster storm. Like, I guess you can't fluster yeah. storm in rhinos, but... I, I actually remember a moment, Lee, I don't know if you remember this, but you were sitting behind Alan at the top four of the RCQ that he beat me like several like a couple months ago and I remember like looking up and making eye contact with you as I was like shuffling in all 15 of my sideboard cards (laughs) (laughs) just kind of I shrugged being like I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) I do remember that but I didn't do anything outward to oh of course yes no you were you were a very good spectator and showed me nothing but I just remember like kind of like giving you a look and being like I just, I hope that, you know, these cards are good. Because my, so I was playing Rhinos. I made the choice to play for Leyline of the Void in the sideboard. Traditionally, these Rhinos decks play for Endurance in the sideboard. But I had, through talking to uh, Brittany over Twitter, kind of determined that the living in matchup was really bad unless you had these Leylines. Like, the, the Endurances were just not enough. But if you had Leyline, you could win and you kind of want the endurances in the main anyways because they're just so good so i was kind of up against this new deck that i hadn't really seen before and it was a breach combo deck 
kind of, I guess. It turns out it's more of a breach value deck, but you know, I didn't really know that at the time. So I was like, all right, yeah, I need these ley lines, I need these force of vigors, I need these mystical disputes, and Blood Moon's kind of good because they have Urza Saga. So it's just like, uh, that's all of my cyborg cards. <laughs> and then they just like played a Raghavan or a Ledger Shredder and you died to it, I assume. Ledger Shredder was the it was the kicker. I think that I just died to like multiple Ledger Shredders both games with staring at Force of Vigors in my hand. Yeah. And I was like, what am I here doing? I don't know. <laughs> Whenever I watch Alan win like a top eight game it's always like two ledger shredders and another one in hand right. he's just like draws all of them. yeah <laughs> and he's only running three right now apparently uh after i saw his list afterwards yeah but no that card really ties that deck together just because it you know filters for what you want it's a great threat um just really good so this time i was prepared and i knew what to do and i was like i'm either not gonna sideboard or i'm just gonna bring in these mystical disputes and i was like yeah okay mystical disputes good because it counters spell pierce and Ledger Shredder, which are the only two cards I really care about. I don't think that he's going to have time to combo kill me, because I'm just going to be attacking for 10 a lot. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how the match went. That's fast-forwarding deeper into the tournament. Sure. I have a lot of stories as well that I can share <laughs> Definitely. from the beginning of the tournament. A lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff happened. Well, yeah, I mean, why don't we just have a little bit of story time at first? That sounds nice. You played Rhinos, you won an RCQ. Uh, we will see you in atlanta so that's very exciting yes, we'll indeed. have to make arrangements for i know you you reached out to try to make arrangements for that, that travel and and trip, oh but yeah i have I mean, done a bad so job long. of coordinating but <laughs> it's okay yeah i mean it's so far away yeah oh my god atlanta i love that pro play comes back and it's the regional championship is in atlanta and then the pro tour is in charlotte i just like don't have to go anywhere perfect yeah ideal yeah, but the tournament, what, you know, you played Rhinos. I don't know how excited you felt to play Rhinos or if it was just like you're not super keeping up. So it's a deck that is fine and then you're fine with it. Or The second one. It was like one in the morning when he <laughs> yeah, decided to fair play enough. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. He, it's not like he decided to play this tournament. Then we like all parted ways <laughs> and went, we, we like went into and had like euros in the park for like another hour <laughs> oh yeah it was it was about 2 30 when i got home i don't know about you lee but also lee your car got booted i don't know if you want to share that yeah story, oh but, jesus um... no it's, it's just like garbage parking right? uh the yeah Ch chapel hill area chapel hill is a nightmare notorious for the highwaymen that are the, the parking yes. okay the, to be right, fair the road pirates Though I lived in Chapel Hill for seven years and did not get booted a single time, so... Well, well, I don't live there. The complication was that the gathering place has kind of, like, struggled figuring out its parking situation. Mm -hmm. They have, like, ten spots behind the building. Right. But they were also, while school was out, allowed to use this gravel lot that was right next to them. Apparently, when school came back, they were like, okay, no longer have access to this gravel lot or this parking lot that's, like you would assume is for this building that we're in, but we're actually not allowed to have it because I don't know. <laughs> um, so the only reason that we didn't get booted was because as we were walking up the stairs, somebody was like, hey, did y'all park in the gravel lot? And we were like, yeah. And they were like, yeah, you're going to get booted because they just changed all the rules and you got to move. Oh my God. <laughs> so... <laughs> and I got there like an hour after. So you race, just had no so. idea. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. So, okay. So playing Rhinos, 
I show up to the event, and in you know, in classic paper tournament fashion, Will hands me most of the deck, minus like you know, four or five cards that I have to run around the room and ask for. Luckily, we were able to get everything together pretty well, and then yeah, we were off to the races. I lost round one. Ideal. <laughs> yeah, I was playing against Amulet. I actually ended up playing Amulet a couple times in this tournament, but uh, this Amulet player knew what they were doing and had good plans and won game one because it's really tough for me and then post-board besaged my Blood Moon and they just, you know, that was that for round one. So I was like, okay, you know, it's cool. I'm just kind of here to, you know, hang out and, and do stuff. And I was very hungry at this point because we had neglected to eat breakfast. So I was like... This is round one. Oh, yeah, no, it was it was bad. It was bad, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, my, my tournament expertise is, uh, is is from years ago, so I, I had forgotten that, you know, food was important and there were no breaks. <laughs> so we've, we've been to tournaments for Flesh and Blood since then. We've had breakfast. Come yeah, on. Yeah, that's true. I really don't have an excuse, but I'm going to make some anyway. You're just not in, like, <laughs> optimization mode anymore. Yeah. So, I was, you know, I was really rooting to, like, lose round two so that I could get Will's keys and leave and get everybody food. See, that's, that's how my... RCQ win went too. I showed up. I didn't like super feel like playing. Uh, I lost like very early in the tournament and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll just, if I take another loss then I can just be done and go home and it'll be fine. <laughs> and, yeah. but like right before the tournament, Philip gave me a pep talk that was like, you can just kind of like not worry about this one. It's just function out of body a little bit for it. And I kind of just separated myself enough that it was that it was fine. Oh, but, yeah. The ideal state, you know, just yeah, like kind of be a little enough detached that you're not super worried about. Yeah. It. And uh, the rest will come. So, yeah, that's kind of how the rest of my tournament went, I guess, is that, you know, every round I would eat a couple bites of beef jerky and um, I ended up getting several Snickers bars. Which is always great. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Round two, I played against a mill player and had this really awesome sequence come up that I tweeted about. So spoilers for if you've already seen that. But well, the the spoiler warning had to come on the on the tweet, I guess, because this is. <laughs> oh yeah, fair. So right, so I'm playing against mill, and I think I have a pretty good mill matchup. You know, I got force negations, I've got endurance. The mill player has four mana. They pass to me, and I have three mana. I untap, and I have a. Crashing Footfall is on one, so I take it down and I cast it. My opponent casts Counterspell on it. I am pretty sure that my opponent also has a Drowning Block. So, you know, I have a pretty thick graveyard at this point. So Drowning Block, I'm assuming that they think is just, like, better Counterspell at this stage. But my hand is Force of Negation, uh, Endurance, Green Card, and some other stuff. And, like, it's just a bunch of spells. I'm stuck on three lands. It's pretty difficult to make the land drops in this matchup just because they field of ruin you and mill you and then your fetch lands your fetches are gone and stuff yeah so i'm stuck on three lands so i'm like okay i think that i can make some fun stuff happen here so i hard cast force of negation on their counter spell and they slam a drown in the lock on the table <laughs> and i'm like okay this needs to target my force of negation so I just, like, the board state was pretty messy at this point, so I, like, create the stack. Lee, I've seen you do this a lot, is that you just kind of create the yeah, stack in the middle of the table. The stack. So, you know, I put my footfalls there, and then I overlap his counterspell on top of the footfalls, and then I put my force negation over his counterspell, and then his counterspell over my force negation. 
So I'm like, okay, so we've got footfalls, counterspell targeting footfalls, force negation targeting, counterspell, drawing the lock targeting force negation. Good? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, so I'll pitch to endurance and target myself and I'll shuffle my graveyard back into my deck and your drown the lock fizzles and my force negation counters your counter spell and my footfalls resolves. And it was beautiful. Uh, and then I won the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just idea. Creating a stack is not only to allow you to like get, 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 get it done there, right? But it was also just, you know, oh, okay, we're going to make this as clear as possible. The stack's getting large yeah. now. Clarify so. the situation so everybody agrees on what's happening and then, you know, make the communication clear so nobody can walk it back or pretend that something else was, was the case. And then, yeah. Yeah. I always get a little fidgety when there's, like, two cards uh, on, like, over each player's lands. And it's just like, this is the stack. It's those two cards over there and those two cards mm -hmm. way over there. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. Trust. Yeah, so that one was, that one, it, you know, it just felt kind of, like, neat that I was able to get the endurance. Because I was really, like, my whole game plan for this game was to make sure that my endurance was all. Like, that's really all I cared about. And if my footfalls, like, gets countered there because he targets the correct thing, I'm fine with that. I just, you know, really need to make sure that I'm buying time mm -hmm. and shuffling my like undoing all of the spells that he had cast this game by resolving my endurance on myself definitely a bonus to get your two four fours though oh yeah trying to get my four fours <laughs> yeah. and then round three is the round that i should have lost and feel like my opponent just made a careless error that you know let me continue in this tournament um the scenario was that i was playing against amulet Again, which I think is a good matchup overall, but, you know, it's Amulet, so they can definitely just get you. We're in game three, and I end up playing pretty aggressively with my pitch cards, specifically my force negations, and I end up pitching two violent outbursts to two force negations. I think that the first force negation got an Amulet and a map, and then the second force negation got a... Amulet and a Dryad Arbor. Oh, so force, like of, force of Vigors, good. yeah. Oh, did, okay, sorry. Did I, yeah, Force of Vigors. First hint was that you pitched Violent Outbursts for them. Yes, so I yes. figured that's right. what was the, going on. The green one. <laughs> force of Vigors. But I was like pretty skeptical on whether or not I wanted to like pitch the other Force of Vigors or pitch my other Rhinos cards, but I also had a Shardless Agent. So, you know, I had Rhinos lined up, but I was really worried about Engineered Explosives because they were like the only Rhinos that I had. And sure enough, I pitch away all my other Cascaders, and then I Cascade, and I have two Rhinos and a 2-2, and my Rhinos get EE'd, and then I'm just on nothing. So my opponent, top decks a Titan, plays it, and I think that I'm at 16 at this point, and they're at 6, and I'm like, okay, that's probably it. I'm going to lose, because I have nothing in my hand at this point. And I have a 2-2, and they have a 6-6, six, six, and I think that they're going to win this race. But I top deck Blood Moon. They, like, don't have, like, a lethal titan, so I top deck Blood Moon and I play it. And they're like, okay, you know, I guess we're racing. So they attack me down to 10, and I draw Brick, and I attack them down to 4. And they draw Brick, and they attack me down to... Attack me down to 4 as well. And then I draw a Dead Gone. I'm like, okay, this buys me a turn. But I have to bounce it before damage. I can't, like, wait till the end step and try to get them to get my last two points in. So I'm like, okay, attack you down to 2. Pass. And they are like... Okay, and they draw, and they drew an amulet, and they're like, I guess I'll cast it. So they tap one of their two forests and pl play the amulet. Ooh. 
and then they attack me and they're like tap for lethal and i'm like bounce your <laughs> and they only have one forest left oh my now, god they can't replay the titan just it was just kind of the land that was there for them to tap their amulet and they're like oh well all right i'm at two and you have a two two so i guess that's it uh, oh good lord <laughs> So, yeah, definitely uh, got away with one there, I think. Just kind of goes to show that you got to pay attention and uh... play every turn of the game. Yeah. Even when you think you're attacking for lethal and your opponent is dead. Yes, indeed. Maybe especially. Maybe <laughs> maybe play that amulet post-combat on the turn that you're attacking for lethal. Maybe attack first. Or just don't play. <laughs> yeah. 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 So those were kind of like the, the interesting spots, I guess, of my tournament during the Swiss. I ended up playing Chris in round four um and he was on creativity and that match was pretty close but i had a pretty clutch fire which is really good against them because it snags two dwarves <laughs> and i was able to get that one. Ooh, uh, i did like this i was playing against four color which i think people believe that four color is favored against rhinos but the more that I think about the matchup and have played it a lot, I think that Rhinos is, actually has a pretty good plan if you can execute it. Because all the four-color players are trying to chalice you. And you really can't afford to bring in, like, forces and vigors in that matchup. So the plan is that you have to bounce their chalice with your Odawara or your Brazen Borrowers and set up a turn where you can resolve multiple Cascade spells. Mm-hmm. And I was able to just really execute that plan really well in this match by suspending pretty early on, being patient, and not allowing myself to just instep bounce and make two four fours. I was like, I really want to get four four fours out of this bounce on the chalice. And I was able to set that up, and my opponent didn't really... I mean, four color just doesn't really pressure you. So I was able to set that up, and uh, they did not have the magical combo of solitude plus ephemerate. And I was able to get that one. Nice. Yeah, to be honest, that is a like a quadrant of modern that I just the the four color rhinos matchup that I just have zero experience in whatsoever. There's just been no opportunity <laughs> for me to be on either side of that matchup. So I'll believe whatever you tell me about how that matchup <laughs> goes. Yeah. Yeah. The more four fours you make, the better you are. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is just a fundamental truth. But yeah, I I, I've played four color a little bit, watched it so much. Oh my god. <laughs> I've watched so many matches yes. with four color. I think the four color players that don't rely on chalice as like kind of this hammer that bails you out will let you go a lot further. Like if you just have engineer explosives or supreme verdict, and that's part of your plan to catch up after Rhinos does their thing. Mm -hmm. Uh the four color deck does actually go over you if you're not Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you're allowing if you're not allowing yourself to kind of get like crept up on, you know? Yeah. Like if they're if you're making them play their threats at a measured pace, you can handle them. That makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I do remember being very dead to Supreme Verdict. You just gotta, you just gotta hope. Yeah, they do have stronger cards than you if you let them do it. But sometimes just the all of the four fours is too much if they don't have a sweeper. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, let's see. Top eight are playing against Burn, which is a matchup I love as Rhinos, and I will say this publicly now, Rhinos is very good against burn i think that i've heard a lot of the opposite opinion but i am pretty strong in my stance that rhinos is favored in the matchup just because the recipe of turn three make two four fours and interact once 
wins against Burn. Mm. And I found that to be pretty true. I had, there was a pretty sweet line that I had access to, but actually didn't find in the moment that I posted it as a what's the play. So if you want to look at my Twitter at Collins Mullen, you can check that out. Just go go through it with us. Yeah. Because I, I know this tweet you're talking so, about, and I had a play for it in my mind. Yeah, if you, I guess I'll say if you want to go and look at it, you can. Pause the video now, and, then, <laughs> uh, and then we'll talk about it. So the Burns' main game plan here is to either, you know, race you, as Burn does, or their sideboard card is... Roiling Eruption. I was going to say Sulfuric Cortex. Roiling Vortex. Roiling Vortex, yeah. I was going to say Sulfuric Cortex, but that's not right. Yeah, so Roiling Vortex is really good against you because whenever you cast Rhinos, you five yourself, which is a lot of damage, and then they can burn you out. (laughs) So on turn two, my opponent plays uh, Roiling Vortex, and I have a Force Negation, but no blue card. So, yep, that resolves. And I'm like, all right, well, the only way I'm going to win here is by, you know, putting 10 power on the board. So I five myself to cast Arlet Agent. And then... My opponent makes a pretty important mistake, I feel like, by, on their turn three, just casting Eidolon and passing the turn. Mm-hmm. While they're behind on board and just need to deal damage to you. Yeah, and I'm at eight at this point. So I think that had they just, like, cast a burn spell, I can't win this game. But they play their Eidolon, and I'm looking at them, and they've got one Painless Land and two Canyons. And they've got their Rolling Vortex, and they've got their Eidolon, and I've got three lands, and they're at 16, and I'm at 8, and I've got Force of Negation, no blue card, double Violent Outburst, Stomp, and Dead in my hand. And I'm like, there's got to be a way to lock my opponent out. So, the what's the play is, what do you do? You know, you've got 10 power, who do you attack with? Do you attack with everything? Do you just leave the Shardless Agent back? Do you leave a Rhino back? Do you kill their Eidolon? Do you hold a Force Negation? Uh, there's just like a lot of little factors. And the answer is that you really got to pay attention to the damage that your opponent is going to deal themselves inevitably through their lands and their Eidolon and their Roiling Rupture trigger. Um, Roiling Vortex trigger. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So they're at 16. And my favorite thing to do in any sort of race matchup against Burn is put them to two. (laughs) The hard luck, yeah. Two's kind of like the magic number that we're looking for. If you attack with everything, your opponent should block. Because um, if they go to six and they have an idol on out, it's going to be really hard for them. But if your opponent doesn't block, then you have this fun line of attack you for ten. On no blocks, you can violent outburst and take two down to six your opponent ends up taking 13 to three and then on their upkeep their vortex trigger puts them to two and that's the magic number and they've lost importantly they have two pain lands out so they are going to be unable to very importantly cast lightning helix Lightning Helix is kind of the one that you got to be careful of, but they only have one untapped pain land, so at three, they can't, in their upkeep, in response to their trigger, um, cast that, because they're going to have to take one off their land and two off the Eidolon. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, once they're at two and they untap and draw and you're at six, they, they're, they're just dead. You have ten power on the board and sure. you can't cast any spells. Yep, yep. I did not see that in the moment, and I ended up attacking for ten and passing, which made it interesting because I was dead to them going... If they just had basic mountain, I was dead. 
I, so I put myself dead to Basic Mountain because if they were able to play Basic Mountain, which is the only painless untapped land on four lands, <laughs> they could have cast two spells and killed me. They did not draw it. They attacked me down to five. Or sorry, they attacked me down to six. My Vortex Trigger put me to five. I attacked for lethal. They put a burn spell on the stack, putting themselves to two, and I stomped them in response. So not the optimal line is what I ended up taking in the tournament, but it ended up getting me there. But I thought it was really cool because uh, just like a fun, like, find checkmate in one uh puzzle <laughs> yeah yeah was, uh, when i saw that tweet i was like all right i've got to be messing up in here because my first instinct was like turn everything sideways play violent outbursts don't cast them <laughs> i'm like how does this go yeah. wrong it just like doesn't <laughs> right yeah what is, what sure. am i missing <laughs> um and then if yeah if they do yeah. block well if they you still have if they block you you don't have to play uh violent outburst yeah. If they do block, you're no longer worried about the Eidolon. You're free to just pass with your Force Negation up. You don't have any blue cards, you have to hard cast it. But I think it's not actually quite Checkmate because they could go Basic Mountain Quad Bolt to kill you. Yeah, yeah. but, Um, you know, I mean, so be it, right? (laughs) Right. It just really depends on when they hand out the Lava Spike promo, if they have an extra Burn Spell or not. (laughs) Let me just reach over here into my box. I, whenever I get a promo in these kind of tournaments, I just like put it in my deck box because you're allowed to do that. Pulled out all of my cards, like all my sideboard cards, and there's just like a lava spike sitting on top of all of them. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Is this a sign? <laughs> yeah, am I getting spiked out of this game? Yep. Right. But that was a fun one. Good little good little puzzle rush. Yeah, it sounds so. like you kind of had a magic the puzzling the tournament on the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, a lot of, a lot of really interesting moments both of my semi-finals and the finals matchup were against this breach deck so semis i played against alan and we had a really close match but i knew how to sideboard this time and it worked out a lot better to just cast a bunch of rhinos mm-hmm. and expect him not to just be able to combo kill me with any sort of speed i think that deck is very reliant on interact 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 Maybe we combo kill eventually, but mainly we're just trying to play this kind of like fair game with busted value cards. And my my main goal was just not to let a Ledger Shredder stick around. So I wanted all my mystical disputes and all my furies. And they were very nice to me. Yeah, that makes sense. The deck gets a lot of mileage off of people like drawing cards that are good against like grinding station or underworld breach when it just has a ledger shredder in play there's like exactly two times that deck wants to draw the combo parts of its deck it's you know in your opening hand you just have like two copies of everything you need or one copy of everything you need and you're just set right or you know on like turn eight after they've killed your 40 things that drew a million cards yeah and you just like have 20 cards in your graveyard anyways or whatever and it's yeah you play the first breach you drew to just like keep playing the value mm-hmm. game and then it, you you hit a combo piece eventually yeah that's like ideal yeah alan kept on saying that his favorite breach was bolt bolt bobble bobble <laughs> i was like yep that's a good one <laughs> six damage two cards that's what can really, go wrong that's yeah. a really good reload spell that's like casting a treasure cruise basically pretty great yeah so yeah so that was the event finals uh yeah in the finals i played against uh, another breach player game one my opponent multi five and I was able to defeat them. And then game two, I had just one of those classic games where your start is the nut and then you draw nothing else. 
you know, so I had, I think I had just everything. I had, I was on the draw, so I had, uh, I had the cavern, and I had turn two interaction spell, and then I had a turn three outburst with force negation. And I was like, all right, this is it, you know, we're, we're really going to do it. All of those things played out exactly as I needed them to. You know, I interacted on turn two. I passed the turn. I outburst. My opponent plays a Teferi, and then I outburst and counter their Teferi. And you know what? Interestingly, I think that in hindsight, I should have just outburst in response to the Teferi and let the Teferi resolve and kill one of my things so that I just still had spells in my hand because mm-hmm. the Force of Negation took away my Brazen Borrower, which was just the only other spell that I had. So, like, maybe it's worth having only one Rhino as pressure and still just, like, being able to hardcast Force and then bounce something and then play a 3-1. Like, that could have been good. But what I ended up doing was they were like, Teferi, and I was like, yep, I will Force Negation that and make two 4-4s and hope this is good enough. You know, and then I attack from 8. They play another Teferi, kill one of my 4-4s, draw a card. I attack them for 4, kill their Teferi. They, I think at this stage, they just play Breach and kill me. So... That was that. <laughs> but then in the last game, I, I think that this was the same way that I beat Alan in game three is that I think that they both kept some pretty greedy ones. One landers stumble a little bit. I make two four fours. It's over. Gotcha. That's uh, that's what you want from rhinos is the just, you know, consistency. You want to do the same thing every time, and if your opponent, you know, makes a mistake either in they don't draw well or they missequence something, that's, you know, that's just really all it takes, and it's very unforgiving when you're getting attacked for 10. So I don't know if you know this, Collins, but I was getting, like, on-the-ground updates to your finals bunch. Uh, (laughs) And one of the comments I received was, it's a good thing Lee's not here because he could not watch this because <laughs> apparently your opponent was just playing too slow. Oh my goodness. Um, yes, that is very true. Every shuffle, I think it was about 30 seconds, if not longer, which is always agonizing. A very deliberate combo on turn t- or on game two where no shortcuts were announced. You know, it's in top eight untimed, so I'm very incentivized to allow them to mill themselves and look at every card that they brought in against me. So I just kind of sat there and waited for it all to happen so that I could look through their graveyard and exile zone to, you know, know the exact makeup of their deck post-board. Um, but, yeah, we had to wait about 25 minutes for that to happen. Oh, my so. gosh. <laughs> like I said, it was it was on the ground floor. <laughs> like, they were telling me game two was over. Yes, but game three didn't start like twenty until twenty minutes later. Yeah. So yeah, and then you know game three was over in about five minutes. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> That's what you want. It, it was pretty agonizing before I knew that like game three had started. I just knew that you were losing game two, and then I didn't hear anything for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I guess since game three took so little time, I, I in my mind I was like, oh, they had to play a full game three, you know, back and forth. It was must have been. A, must, Must have been, been a crazy really... one. No, they yeah, yeah. two one landed <laughs> and died. Put ten Bauer on the board and they died to it. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so that's the that's the tournament. Uh, Rhinos is great. I I can't really speak to it being any sort of crazy meta call or insanely teched out or anything. It was just kind of like the last list that I had tried playing and tried it again, and it's the same modern. So you know, there we go. Yeah. yeah, I believe Brittany also put up a result this past weekend. I saw a tweet by her. Where she was doing something, I don't, I don't quite remember what it was. Yes, I remember that tweet. 
she i think she ended up not winning her rsq because she said that she lost twice and i don't think that you can do that and win an rsq so but still a good result yeah it's it's, it's just another good deck in modern mm-hmm. it's not all four color all the time despite some doom and gloom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely in the bigger stuff i mean online but also in the bigger paper tournaments the format does like collapse around it a little bit and the the metagaming and the targeting of it happens a little more and it it's not as successful as in the smaller tournaments but often a tough end boss at a lot of the rcqs it seems indeed i will say though that if i had any sort of preparation or choice in the matter i would probably be playing lutri at these tournaments <laughs> yeah i mean do you think that's a <laughs> A possible i know that that's like your brand now and i'm sure a lot of people listening are here for it but you think that's a possible thing to do in a four color world um ugh, no but also yes <laughs> it depends like uh you know are you trying to maximize your tournament equity probably not because the four color matchup with lutri is very bad because lutri fundamentally is a it's a control deck, you know. It's you're playing Jeskai control in modern. The initial Lutri lists were four color, which is just because, you know, I didn't want to call it all the fun black cards. But eventually I ended up cutting them all and it's a lot cleaner now. Plays out very much just like a control deck. However, that plan is not good against four color. And there's not really much salvaging that you can do for it. Out of blue white control, they can gear their deck towards four color and kind of the answer is that you just play all of the value planeswalkers so you play like four jason mind sculptor four teferi and you can just bury them by setting up resolving one of those and then drawing an extra card a turn is about the equivalent of the value inherent in four color control so you can you can usually win that one one other plan that the blue white decks have introduced recently is a like narset days undoing package that's a, a thief thing. Oh, i think we've seen, seen a, a little bit more of it pop up but it's just you know people playing the thief's deck mostly but it's clearly like here's my plan against four color because what else are you narset days undoing against <laughs> that i mean yeah, that's fair you uh yeah any sort of combo can can definitely be good against uh for color yeah especially the more they cut their counter spells the more you can put together something like that on a key turn yeah yeah but when you're restricted to one teferi hero and one jason mind sculptor it uh it definitely gets a lot harder lutri is is definitely a it's a control deck pr- relatively light on like quote-unquote finishers or like card advantage cards just because the number of like really good ones is pretty low so, yeah, I mean, you just play these really long games against four color and it gets tough. I do have a Emrakul the Promised End in the sideboard, which, you know, I've I've seen be a tech against four color. It's never worked, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, you're probably more likely to get Emrakul the Promised Ended in that matchup than, than to pull it off yourself. Yeah. They've got traverses or, or whatever, so. Just Ren and Six to keep hitting land drops. Yeah, that too. They're, they're just better at getting there. I guess it's fortunate for, you know, Atlanta Dreams that you weren't able to scribe together a Lutri deck at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> like you used to. Yeah, probably a lot more <laughs> difficult to, uh, to scratch together with 10 hours. I notice. have a list of uh, 17 different one-ofs that I need to find today. 
only 17. Please. Well, you know, I'm just assuming we have some sort of collection to start from. <laughs> got the lands and stuff. Right, yeah, right. Hey, does anybody have a mana tithe? I really need a mana tithe. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, logic not, anyone? Start opening packs of Strixhaven. <laughs> yeah, anybody have a logic knot now that counterspell is legal yeah. in modern? I need, is that I need a lose focus. Does anybody have a lose focus? Does anybody know the text of lose focus? <laughs> yeah, it's in my cube. It's a great cube card. <laughs> can only play like one man like you do cube. Lose focus. Yep. One and a blue. Counter target spell unless his controller pays two. Replicate for a single blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a good cube card. I have definitely done work with that one. It's just the fourth counter spell. It's fine. Yeah, but you know, as much fun as I've been having with Lutri, I so I have a deck built for Lutri in both Modern and Pioneer that I'm like pretty happy with. And legitimately the Pioneer one is a blast to play and I think pretty good. So who knows? You know, who knows what I'll be playing in Atlanta. My dreams to make it to Atlanta were probably helped out by not being able to have access to a Lutri deck, but uh, my dreams in Atlanta may be that I'm playing Singleton. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of feel that energy. I mean, I'm not playing the RC, but uh-huh. this weekend I think I'm playing a team tournament that I will be the seat in which I can find a deck I enjoy playing. Nice. Uh, and so far, my front runner is a pioneer deck that wins with Devilish Valet or Altar of the Brood. Oh, it's the Burgy deck. The Burgy deck. Yeah, that's awesome. So I need to find a couple of cards, but uh, I'm looking forward. Wow, to Wow, we would Altar the Brood without Kethis? Is it possible? Well, you have Greningengus, and you just oh. you know, return that to your hand a million times. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so that works. Wow, I really want to see that deck list because. Yeah, it's got um, Risen Reef in it, too, because Grinning Agnes is uh, an elemental. <laughs> so it's one of the cards you can play to just draw cards if you have Grinning Agnes and Burgie. <laughs> Very nice. This deck is not a stable. It's not a staple of Pioneer or anything, but it looks like a blast. Oh, yeah. I'll get you a deck list. Of course. Wasn't Grinning Agnes, like, banned on Arena? This. Yeah, it's banned in Alchemy, right? Oh, okay. Or... Yeah. And what, what was Something the, what was like the deck there? Was it Burgie combo as well, or...? I believe so. I don't. I don't. Collins. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> this happened. It's like a shadow ban to me because <laughs> no one ever talks about arena specific formats or deck lists right. unless there's literally a championship happening. <laughs> and I just heard about it one day on Twitter, and I'm like, "All right, that's kind of weird. Whatever." Yeah. Because I just don't play arena. <laughs> that's pretty much what I know about. That it. is fair. Yeah. That's. I'm in the same boat. Alchemy has remained pretty irrelevant so just like there's so many formats some of them have to be sacrificed you can't keep up with all of them and that's one that i just feel no motivation to keep up with whatsoever even like once i mean definitely when dominary united comes out i'm gonna play some standard because i like playing a new fresh standard format especially because like there's gonna be a rotation and a bunch of cards are gonna leave like i'm just gonna play standard even though haven't really put a bunch of time into it recently but it's something that's going to be cool and new but then why do i need to play alchemy i can i can play standard so i have such a bittersweet relationship with like new standard now because i would actually like to play standard for varieties like like a couple of events i would love to play standard Mm -hmm. uh, especially paper i think they're super fun but i don't own any standard cards and there's barely any events so i just have this like 
craving and i know i'm only going to want to play like twice max and then i'll be over it but i really want to play those two times yeah it's tough that's it's really not ideal i might do a couple of like streams or hangouts in this the discord at least you can like bird or something yeah it's it's not the same but i will no of course i'll be engaged in standard for a little bit for sure yeah yeah standard but, has looked fun from a distance but the only thing that i know about standard is that they're playing that card that makes that other card really cheap playing hanada oh, yeah hanada yeah. <laughs> is appears to I, from my awareness of standard, appears to be some somewhere between tier one and tier zero in that format. Good to know. But I think that it's may, both tier one and tier zero. Oh, it may be the only deck that you're really supposed to be playing. But also, like nobody's been focusing on standard yeah. and trying to like meta game it and stuff. Like it's, it's just... kind of like how Pioneer was right after they banned all the combo cards, but like six months before there were any events for Pioneer, right. uh, people just played whatever that's kind of how standard is like everyone knows and not as kind of busted mm -hmm. for standards contexts but it doesn't matter people are still just playing whatever i i would be like to be interested in standard but now that you know now that you're barely playing magic as it now is that I'm barely playing magic as it is and then also have atlanta to prepare for right be a pioneer gamer yeah, no, that's we're we're gonna have to do some work. I am a pioneer gamer now. I've been Lee. I need to propose that we shamelessly copy the Dominaria's Judgment format and we're just uh, going over pioneer events all the time. Honestly, I think that that I'm would be a, a a solid segment to open each show with. Is just how we're doing the Dominaria's Judgment thing. There's, and, there's no CCR and Lee like plain though. Yeah, I mean, but I, it's literally going to be like, I'll, I'll go ahead and credit the Dominaria's Judgment podcast for the segment as we do. Here are the pioneer challenges for this weekend. We're going to go over the top eight of each one every single week, because I, I think like I need to have like specific like deadlines to be doing that in. So I'm not like taking a week off at any point and just like missing deck lists. And also, I just want to pay attention to how the format is evolving, particularly with the introduction of Dominary United, now it is like much closer to what the format's going to be. And so I just want to pay very close attention. So we're going to just, you know, nick that entire segment from their podcast and <laughs> transfer it to a different format. No, that's cool. I, I look at the deck lists all the time anyway. I just don't. Yeah. Talking through things and thinking about them is different for them. Just like scrolling through them, you know? Yeah. Right. Keeps you a little more engaged. I really like the look of the Grease Fang deck that's Abzan colors. Every time I start to like it, it disappoints me in some way. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just doesn't play out exactly the way I think it needs to in order to be very successful. And I don't know if that's a build problem or something else, but I have not been super in love with Grease Fang, even though I really want to be. A lot of it is kind of just like you're getting hit by incidental like facets of the format. Like the the is it decks just happen to be playing a lot of like one mana pieces of removal that hit Grease Fang. The black red decks have started main decking a couple copies of unlicensed hearse, and there's just like stuff that you have to fight through that's unpleasant. And like, yeah, you do have your mid-range plan, but also some you're playing against decks that are playing Nickthos and Treasure Cruise, so a lot of times that's kind of tough. Right. But the deck is close. It's, it's just really like close. it's just like not hasn't quite been there, and maybe somebody just needs to discover a card that gets it there. 
or a card gets printed that gets it there. Though I am a little sad we've, you know, strayed from the days of you see like the Abzan Greaseswing deck and there's just a random Siege Rhino in it. <laughs> Don't see that too much anymore. Abzan's in the name. It's a How bygone era. <laughs> not put a Siege Rhino in this deck. Oh, man. If you get Siege Rhino back with that reanimation spell that has a cat on it, whatever it's called. Oh, you can't. It's only three or less. I know. But if you could get it back, then, you know, then we'd have something going. <laughs> I think that we just have a new deck. Yes, just Turbo Rhino. Siege Rhino. Siege Rhino blink reanimate I mean, deck. There's got to be a better four drop than Siege Rhino, right? No. Not so just like like have come in and out of play a bunch of times did you say impossible Collins? <laughs> yeah literally impossible to have a better four shot than siege right <laughs> all right that's my bad <laughs> yeah we don't speak of anything that has four colors in it that's a four drop <laughs> <laughs> that one not so great in pioneer at least yes, so we, we we do know that can fit so many evolving wilds into this thing <laughs> oh man do we want to talk about a couple of cards we will do our full preview show next week but you know collins you haven't had a chance to like look at previews and discuss previews in a very long time did you you have any cards in mind any caught your eye while you're just you know involved on twitter or what have you so i do need to issue a my bad braids arisen nightmare i got so caught up in all of the text at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice an artifact creature, enchantment, land, or planeswalker. I was so confused about why that sentence didn't say permanent that I didn't realize that this isn't actually a, a card that does things. It's a uh, punisher yeah. card. It, I didn't realize it let your opponent choose either. Oh. You can sacrifice a permanent. Each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. And then for each opponent that doesn't, that player loses two life and you draw a card. So instead of being like a cool powerful sacrifice card this is actually some sort of commander thing that i don't that i'm less compelled by so that's a bummer we'll not be recommending this card or building around it because it doesn't do the thing i thought it did cards that are worth talking about we've got leyline binding this is five and a white for an enchantment with flash domain it costs one less to cast for each basic land type among lands you control when it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Leyline Binding leaves the battlefield. I think this card's really strong. It's particularly in modern, very easy to make it cheap with fetching out Triomes and other dual lands. Also, you can't cascade into it because it has a 6 CMC. Also, I don't really care about any of that because the only thing I want to do with this card is play it with Enigmatic Incarnation and then sacrifice it to get Agents of Treachery. So, you know, that's my (laughs) deal with this card. Okay, I was not sold until that last bit, and now I'm sold. (laughs) Right? Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be good, but it's what I want to do. I'm kind of just like waiting for the other shoe to drop with this card because I think it's like fine, kind of whatever. Uh, Some people say it's really good in modern four color, uh, but the proposed deck lists I have seen do not inspire me. Like cutting a bunch of early removal, like prismatic ending for this kind of card is like weird to me. Yeah, I I struggle to see why you would... Like, Prismatic Ending is just doing the thing this card does in four color and generally better at it and has less requirements. Like, doing this, you can't do this on turn one. You can't get a Raghavan with this thing. Yeah, like, I I could see it, like, being played in the deck, but not in that kind of role. Yeah, 
it's not replacing like replacing prismatic ending seems like so weird and also like doing this and getting your removal spell bozejude when you could have just played a removal spell seems really silly i think a lot of the mileage from it comes from the fact that you can't cascade into it and it's mm -hmm. a pretty cheap removal spell i i've also been in love with the enigmatic incarnation concept uh, concept yeah. <laughs> because that's the main thing that sells me that this card can have like really specific applications that will be fantastic mm-hmm and it doesn't always have to be like, you know, birthing, potting your enchantments. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, if you want it to be. If they if they print in the future a some sort of effect like that, sacrifice an enchantment, search for something, but it's at a better rate, I can see that this card coming back from the depths of unplayable of memory the memory hole yeah but, once we all like forget about it or yeah whatever. i mean i my sad prediction is that this card is not good and people are going to stop talking about it in a couple weeks also enchantments never get any support so like right we've had two supposed enchantment blocks with nary an enchantment deck to be seen <laughs> the the most powerful enchantment that they printed is urza saga yeah just the crossover between like enchantment synergies and five color decks is pretty difficult but it, you know not to say it can't happen ever yeah i mean the what the the enchantment creature that taps for mana equal to the number of enchantments you control that taps for mana of any color oh. so that's that's a five color card right <laughs> sort, sort of but does it have all land types it does not. You need to play a Nylea's Presence on your land in order to get that. Which, honestly, you know, maybe there is a Pioneer deck, like, constructed around that. Obviously, you need to have the Trilands in your deck to allow this to also be a card some decent amount of the time. But Nylea's Presence, one in a green, Cantrips, makes your land have all land types. The Enchanted land have all land types. Is both, like, a fine thing to play and then sacrifice to an Enigmatic Incarnation also turns this thing on and makes it cost one mana. So, you know, maybe there's a stew there. And, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to, like, slow cook that stew, but we'll see if anything comes out of it. I like the sound of that. Love a good slow cooked stew. I made one today. That's where that metaphor ah, came nice. from. So, okay. <laughs> We've also got... I'm trying to find the little wrath here. Temporary Lockdown. Oh, the Another little enchantment. Little. One white white for an enchantment. When Temporary Lockdown enters the battlefield, exile each non-land permanent with mana value 2 or less until Temporary Lockdown leaves the battlefield. So it just portable holes everything. That portable hole could portable hole. Now we're talking. This is an enchantment I can get behind. I, yeah, I think this is pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as like White's Infest variant. Yeah. Yeah. It does even yeah. more than that. Yeah. And it does the exile thing and it gets in, like artifacts and enchantments and not usually planeswalkers, but I guess Renin Sixes if, you know, you're in a format with Renin Sixes. But I feel like the price is right on this thing and just you'll find application even in maybe especially in larger formats where most stuff is cheap. Yeah, I mean, I could see this easily being a one or two of in the sideboard of blue-white control in modern, like, right now. Yeah, just, like, additional red and six answers that are flexible and do other things. Yeah, yeah I mean, it just really reminds me of, is it Hitzaigu's second right? Or no, 
But if they're ten, you'll tend to them. No, <laughs> is that is that what it's like? A second right is. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, You're thinking of uh, hits. Hitetsugo consumes all. Yes, that card is good because of the first ability of that saga, and this feels very reminiscent of that. So I think that I remember seeing a bunch of control variants be Grixis because of that card, but now you can just play this blue eye control. Yeah. So and I mean it also gets like all tokens like. It probably has some decent app like you know you can cast this against a lot of hammer boards and then they're just like oh good lord yeah so there's there, there's a lot of application for this thing probably oh yeah i want to get your take on because i i my eyes just like passed over this card until jerry and brian talked about it yeah so i want to get your takes on stronghold arena which is one in a black for an enchantment Whenever you deal combat damage to a player with one or more creatures, you get a Dark Confidant trigger. And then it's also got like Kicker White and Kicker Green, and you gain three life when it ETBs for each kicker, each time you pay to kicker cost. But mostly the idea that this could be a sideboard card, you know, kind of your I'm playing against a controlling deck with a creature deck, and then this is my sideboard card that i bring in to get me extra cards against them that doesn't cost additional mana in order to do that not like bring in like arguals blood fast or something like that this actually just kind of okay now every one of my creatures is a threat including token creatures or whatever oh i think it's context dependent sure i i can see where this could be in a sideboard but it's hard for me to see the color like the it's hard for me to see the kicker colors being relevant, to be honest. I think they're almost not, uh, and I think that's fine. I think seeing it as just a black card is, like, fine, you know? And then when you're putting it in context as, like, a black card, your creatures do have to connect. Mm-hmm. So in those matchups where they're trying to make your creatures not connect, you do have to take a turn off not developing a creature to play this and then, like, connect with another creature, mm-hmm. which is not insurmountable, for sure, but it does require your deck to be built with more expendable like small guys than like carving out kind of deal you know yeah like you know like phoenix chick yeah sure like phoenix chick play some some one one haste flyer camp blocks for one mana and, and honestly the sacrifice deck is kind of not sacrifice deck but like a, a load of the ground black red deck is where i see this kind of card but i think even in that sphere there's probably better options than stronghold arena to get Maybe. card advantage. Like, but, I think Jaya is actually really, really good in that same context. Sure. While not having really any conditions on it. Yeah. Does cost four mana, though. So, depends on your yeah. needs and stuff like that. I actually, you know, now that you mentioned, like, kind of a sacrifice sort of deck, like, throwaway creatures are very good at, like, combining with this to actually do something. In ma- you know, like... When you're playing against a control deck, if you have threatening stuff you can do, but you also have a Voldaren Epicure on the board from turn one, you know, your opponent has to kind of like focus on your other stuff and is safely ignoring your Voldaren Epicure. But, you know, if you have cards like that and you combine that with this, then maybe that's that's the place where maybe this becomes something that you want to do. I think that my take on this card is that it's a limited bomb (laughs) and that's probably where the only place I would play it. That's pretty fair. I, I like glazed over it until then like Jerry got very excited about it and it's like, all right, well, I'll certainly take a second look at that. Sure. I I just think it's mostly too hard to make work. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's that's definitely that was my initial response as well, for sure. I'm looking at it on Scryfall and I'm just kind of currently amused at how it's not legal in any format at the moment. Yeah, it's not out yet. <laughs> <laughs> at least we have Scryfall for this podcast. Apparently the day everyone recorded their podcasts was the day that Scryfall, Scryfall just no. went down. Yeah. <laughs> so that was last Tuesday. <laughs> and a lot of the podcasts I listened to were like, hmm, Scryfall's down. This yeah, at the, at, it was at least us and Dominari. I don't know who else it was, but... <laughs> it's just asking too much, and you kind of have to do a lot of work to get the effect of cards that already exist. I mean, maybe in Standard there's like a really good archetype for this, but I just know nothing about Standard, so I can't really comment on that. Sure. They also got excited about Vidalia Mindsinger, which is one UU for a 2-2 Merfolk Wizard. Kicker, one in a green and or one in a red. It ETBs with two plus one plus one counters on it for each time it was kicked. When Vidalian Mindsinger enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature with power less than Vidalian Mindsinger's power for as long as you control Vidalian Mindsinger. I don't understand what we're stealing with this at any of the mana costs. I that it's like effective and not just immediately dying to something. I'm really confused about being into this card and maybe <laughs> I like how we're just like, subtweeting other podcasts now. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like responding. We're just having a discussion yeah. here. I'm not even subtweeting. I'm saying exactly like where this information is coming from. <laughs> I, and maybe maybe I'm short sighted. Maybe I'm not getting it. And maybe like I'll look real dumb a couple of weeks from now. But I just have no idea what we're stealing on curve with this. I mean, thing. I think that the hidden text is that this card is secretly a 5-5 when you play it because yeah, there's that's what I was three Merfolk Lords on the board. Well, that's not exactly what <laughs> Yeah, sure. If if you can make a Merfolk deck and this is getting pumped and then that pumping also lets you steal something way bigger than you would think, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Fine, this is a Merfolk card. Like, as a mid-range card or just, like, a standard card, I don't think this, like... I kind of I kind of buy it as a standard card, mostly sideboard card, but... Mm-hmm being if you're in either of those colors being able to have like a, a medium stopgap creature that can slow their board down or later in the game a large creature that does slow their board down and takes a larger thing both seem re- like perfectly reasonable options to me yeah i don't I mean, think like, it's like confiscation coup or anything but mind flayer existed and mostly like got sideboarded in and was worse than you wanted it to be i don't know what mind flayer is it's five mana three three sower of temptation Oh, sure. Well, but that you can cast that for three mana, though. That's why I think this card is playable. Right. I mean, I just... Yeah, I mean, I guess if there are one power creatures seeing play, anytime you do just play, play this for three and steal any one power creature, like, that is fine. Right. So, yeah, as long as that exists, then this is an okay I card. I think a very real scenario where this card could be an excellent sideboard card would be that they, like, print some crazy bomb five mana three five or something like think mm-hmm. like they print prognostic sphinx and it's just a huge part of standard and then everybody's like <laughs> uh all right i got my prognostic sphinx tech of i'm gonna steal it at five mana when you play your five mana bomb just like when as we were confiscation cooing glory bringers yes exactly like that it's just yeah <laughs> um uh, yeah i am 
so impressed that you're like your first go-to <laughs> a card from like when you started it was a card was when i started playing really, so yeah <laughs> never okay, how really about... uh, made those breakaways dream trawler is a, uh, like a similar example that people might know <laughs> yeah but we're not going to be able to steal a dream trawler well you also can't steal a well, you can't sphinx. steal prosthetic sphinx because it has oh, the yeah, same okay. text of tap it they're card. both of the same card there's just sphinxes from there so. yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you, how about we talk about a card that's just definitely good? Okay. How, how about that? Uh, so there's Ether Channeler. Uh, two and a blue for a 2-1 human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, choose one. Create a 1-1 one, one white bird creature token with flying. Return another target non-land permanent to its owner's hand or draw a card. Wow. Mana War got a lot of more text. Yeah, no it's kidding. Way, so it's way better than Mana War 2 because it can bounce any permanent. To, oh, it says target non-land permanent? Yeah, yeah target non-land permanent. It's just, it's like borderline better than Reflector. Obviously, Reflector Mage has like a bunch of like messed up things going on, including putting a plus one, plus one counter on it makes it gigantic. But like this removes whatever permanent. And then if you don't want to bounce anything, which was always the weakness of a Reflector Mage type card, you can make another body or just draw a card. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this card's good. This card's fantastic. Yeah. It, it just seems very very good to me that's all very upset when uh it gets played against me and limited i feel and not because oh. it's like a bomb rare or anything because they're better cards but it's just like i i hate man wars <laughs> being played against me <laughs> but how much do you like playing man wars yourself a lot they're so yeah. fun well they're, they're really so good <laughs> <laughs> they printed a lot of good humans in this set i noticed uh did y'all already yeah. talk yeah. about guardian of new banalia is that the 2-2? Is it the new Adante Vanguard? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like that card a lot. No, we haven't. Oh, we have not? Guardian Noon Malalia is uh, one and a white for a 2-2 human soldier. It has enlist. So as this creature attacks, you may tap a non-attacking creature without summoning sickness. When you do, add its power to this creature's until the end of the turn. Also has an ETB effect whenever it... In, or no, sorry. It's not an ETB. It's whatever it enlists. You scry two. So it's whenever it attacks and enlists. You scry two. And then it has discard a card, Guardian Nubinalia gains indestructible and tap it. Seems like a completely reasonable two drop that mostly will get slotted into that like weird position of like white two drop in a deck that wants to put something into its graveyard for some reason. And so it was playing like the three one that discards a card to become indestructible. And this is like mostly Hello, better than that. Play, yeah. No, go for oh, it. Uh, yeah, speak, I was just going to say the same thing that Chris did where... Uh, that oh sorry <laughs> that that deck that wants that three one for that reason because his backup plan is just beat downs is very happy to have this as well yeah i i do find myself like asking how often you actually get to enlist a creature in constructed because it's not like a vehicle it's not giving pseudo haste like you can only enlist a creature without summoning sickness so that's not the most common board where you're like actually getting an advantage out of enlisting something mm -hmm. No, for sure. I think it's probably only going to ever see play in that one specific deck, but it's a role player there. It's a rare card that, like, is an upgrade of an uncommon card that, like, had a similar slot. So it's like, yeah, now we get to play more rares in our deck, yeah. basically. The other human that caught my eye was Anointed Peacekeeper. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that one uh -huh. some. I think 
you know, just going to have to play it with Elite Spellbinder leaving standard. Right. Like, this is the option for that slot, basically. Yeah. A good slot. It doesn't fly, but it's got three toughness, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, it wears... I mean, I guess a 3-1 flyer wears plus one, plus one counters like just as well as a 3-3 Vigilance, but, you know, <laughs> pumps are good on this creature. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, there is another human worth talking about, though, that we also talked about, but just to mention, because you are here and, you know, we haven't talked about it with you, but Evolve Sleeper is also a human. Yep. This is the one black, one, one kind of figure of destiny thing. And I think that that is encouragement for the humans decks in like Pioneer to stretch their mana bases or not even stretch their mana bases, but to be the the five color mana bases uh-huh. there, there's definitely something there because this is an actually good one drop although zan did p- potentially make some some headway in solving the one drop situation by just playing legions landing in his humans deck in his mono white humans deck uh the other week oh nice yeah i i was in regard to the mana base i was gonna ask do any of the like rainbow lands for a specific creature type tap for that color when they're activating abilities of those creatures yeah, the new one does. Okay. The most recent one does. Whatever. It's That'll called. be pretty important. The courtyard for a card like this. Black mana in like a modern humans mana base is. It's it's tough. Yeah, you're definitely going to need to adapt some in order to make this work. And and I don't know if it does, but there's some room for this card to do things at some point. Yeah. And now this one has the human creature type, likely not a relevant creature type given what this card is. Urtai resurrected which is two, a blue, and a black for a 3-2 flash. And when it ETBs, you choose one. Counter target spell, activated ability, or triggered ability. Its controller draws a card. Or destroy another target creature or planeswalker. Its controller draws a card. This card seems very good to me. The downside of them drawing a card is not nothing. But yeah, I mean, those are both things that you want to do. Very, very tempo-oriented. It kind of feels like remand in some way. I, I was actually, at first, blush. I really did not like this card because I hate letting my opponents draw cards. But then I imagine the card, if it just didn't have that, I'm like, oh my god, it's a well, four, th- th- four mana, three, two flash <laughs> that does whatever you need it to. Wow, that's... Pretty pretty good tempo play, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it and- still seems pretty good. Yeah, and definitely, like, the drawback of playing Mystic Snakes, like, the drawback of playing Frilled Mystic is, like, if your opponent has any creatures in play, they're probably better than a 3-2, and now the stuff they put on the stack doesn't matter that much. But, like... This thing you could just kill a creature instead. Like, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on with this card. I mean, also, it doesn't have the downside of Frilled Mystic where if you draw you can't like, cast three it. forests or three yeah. islands, you're just <laughs> done. Yes. It, it, it's a better card than Frilled Mystic. I'll, I'll just go ahead and state that. We're, man, we're in the gold section. We're so close to my favorite card in this whole set. Do it. What's your favorite card in this whole set? Uh, it's Miria, the Scholar of Antiquity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one RG for three three legendary elf artificer. You can tap an untapped non-token artifact you control to add a green, and tap two untapped non-token artifacts you control to exile the top card of your library and play it until no turn. This is a very Lee card. Yeah, I, this is adorable. I don't even know if I can find anywhere to play this because there's no support for like red green artifact stuff. Right, but. It's this just is so like, clearly the wrong colors for like what you want to be doing with this. I just love the text on this card, though. Yeah. <laughs> if I can figure out how to bard class or something with this in Pioneer, <laughs> yeah. I'd be I'd be on top of the world. I mean, <laughs> if you just like play a bunch of one mana artifacts in your deck, you could just play them all when you play this card. 
That's true. It's pretty well, good, unless they come to play tapped. Well, yeah, and you'd you'd have to like be able to. Ooh, at least it lets you play whatever card you want on the top of your library. Yeah, and I mean, like any artifact that you play helps you continue chaining. There's some pretty hefty like storming potential just in the text box of this yeah. card. Yeah, I re- I really like the text box card. It's really the colors that kind of hold it back, but for sure. I mean, I've played teamer decks that are artifacts before. <laughs> yeah, we can play a lot of colors. That's fine. Like, a lot of your cards are color colorless, probably. So, like, the mana will most it'll take care of itself. If there's anything that uh, Artifact Cube has taught me, it's that any color combination can enjoy artifact synergy. <laughs> See, red green was the one that just like couldn't really. Uh, yeah, slot uh, this one in there. This <laughs> one. Slot this one right in the cube. Yeah, this one's going straight into the cube. This is I, the. <laughs> The card I've been excited for a lot. We can, this is we before can do the a little bit, too. a little bit more than the like shatter theme deck. <laughs> hey, we're we're off of shatters and we're more on like escape to the wilds. It's kind of bonkers. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I like that. Yeah. What about Dora I mean, nothingness though? Is that is that supported anymore? Oh, that card's still sweet. Yeah, I I think I might have shrunk the cube. I got cut, but oh, no. I don't remember exactly. Well, there's so many good cards from Kamigawa. It kind of yeah, had to. Yeah, something's got to go. Something had to That's go. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, put enough chromatic stars, chromatic spheres, and stuff like that in your deck, and this thing is just kind of doing a I lot. I think it's a lot harder to compete in modern than in pioneer with this card. Because, mm-hmm. like, Urza exists in modern, right? And it's almost unplayable. Yeah. Because that's, that's just of how the format is, and Merz is a typically better card. Like, so I think this card, you really, I really want to find a placement for, like, pioneer specifically. I mean, but this is a three mana creature that has a very similar, like all of your artifacts make a ma- are moxes now. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's really cool. There's a lot to like about that, and then it's also got a much less restrictive like play the top card of your library, play the top yeah. card of your library ability. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, I've got high hopes. Like who knows what this does, but. There's just a lot wrapped up I, in there. I guarantee you when it hits, when there's a deck list with this, with Miria in it, people are going to be like, oh, wow, did you see this deck list? Look at this. It's going to mm-hmm. be like a cool thing rather than you like, you know, Evolved Sleeper or whatever. Any card that like obviously has a lot of text on it and is kind of generic, there's going to be like, oh, it's this card. That's where I expected to or see it. Or is it just going to be well, sort of the meat combo again, but with a three mana card? Well, I don't know if you can do that in modern still, but <laughs> although you can, are all of your artifacts tapped when you combo off, or will you be able to sneak well, some you can't... second ability of this card in there? So you can't tap your thopters with this card like you can with Urza. Oh, but you can tap your sword each yeah, time it comes but... back. <laughs> but that doesn't generate mana the way Urza does. Right. So if you want to play the biggest green sun zine or the biggest. Uh, finale of promise you've ever seen <laughs> sure you can't it's win that turn difficult. but you you can gain infinite life and make infinite yeah but that's not good enough. <laughs> i think that oh, honestly i do think that usually is good enough in modern like against most of the major decks like that is good you don't actually have to lock it up by like i i have three cryptics left in my deck and i can get to them with this urza like usually the infinite life infinite thopters is gonna do it yeah that is fair Unless you're playing on Magic Online, and then it's it's yeah, not yes. it doesn't get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this might become my favorite card in the set too, or like most hated card, depending on what happens. But I I hope this card is good because especially in Pioneer, because then it would like 
A, give me something I'm really excited to play with and mm-hmm. B, introduce some new aspect to the format that isn't hopefully Treasure Cruise and Ichthos. Right, absolutely. Stuff. No, and, and Pioneer could really use an artifact deck just generally. That I, would don't, be... I don't even necessarily need an artifact deck, though that would be great. There is that Colossus it's more that I need. Pioneer. Yeah, I wish that were good. <laughs> Play some uh, bronze knuckles. Mm, brass knuckles, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's tough playing a card that bad to let you cast your Metalwork Colossus. <laughs> I, I just kind of wish Pioneer had more decks that kind of like Lotus Field before it f- just got outpowered mm-hmm. that ha- that forced people to play differently in the format. Mm-hmm. Sure. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Something to respect in the artifact. Realm. Right. Just like Hidden Strings, you know, that infamous artifact. <laughs> When I'm scrolling through these cards, all I'm noticing are like the super obscure callbacks from random creatures from all the Dominarius pasts, like uh, Revaz of the Claw mm-hmm. is the thing that lets you cast dragons from your graveyard. Uh, it's a riff on what is it? Cerulean of, of the Claw, claw. Yeah. yeah, which is also a violation of it, like sneak attacks dragons from your library. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> just like a million cards like this. It's just riffing on some other card, and it does it in subtle ways, which is way better than yeah. Know, going some some of the like hammer to the face references they've made in the past. Yeah, like here's an Umazawa. You recognize that name? Look at it. <laughs> Yeah, Zerillion of the Claw, definitely a standout card from Magic's history because of how unbeatable it was in casual games with your brother played like on the floor in the living room. Especially when Scourge came out, you could like get a Dragon Tyrant. A Dragon Tyrant, yeah, good lord. I'm reading that card for the first time right now and looks (laughs) awesome. Wow, jeez. Yeah, right? (laughs) It was one of my first uh, EDH decks, so it was Zerillion of the Claw. Pretty good one. Uh, anything else we want to talk about right now? Do y'all mind if I make a little bit of an announcement? Oh, no. Yeah, go for it. I, I meant to give you an opening to do this, but I have forgotten. So I'll wiggle my way in there. Uh, so I am going to start offering coaching again for Magic. Um, I know that the tournament scene is kind of opening back up and there's a new wave of tournament hopefuls. And I'm here to help. So uh, if you're interested in having me as a coach, you can find me on metafygg slash at Collins Mullen. I am, as of recording this, working on getting registered as a Metafy expert, but I hope to have that up probably by the end of the week. So if you're listening to this and I have not been yet, I could actually use your help because if you could go on to my page and vouch for me as a verifiable magic expert. That would be great. Otherwise, you can book some sessions with me through metify.gg. It's a really easy to use website. I've really been enjoying using it. The If you do end up vouching for me, three people who end up vouching for me will get a free session provided by the website. So some incentive there. Does that mean I could get a free session with Collins Mullen? That's correct. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so anybody who wants to go on and vouch for me, you have uh, potential to get a, um, a free session. Also for the entire month of September, I'm going to be offering 30% off uh, for new uh, students. So now is the time 
to sign up <laughs> and get some coaching. So back to school sale. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the season does start. The new season does start up relatively soon. Yeah, I, so I figured it would be good. The time. last round of RCQs are like for this RC are, I believe, within the next week or two. Yeah. So if you want to use, if you're looking for a discount code for the month of September, you can use the code Collins Mullen dash Lutri because you know we're branded. Brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you only offer coaching on Lutri decks, is that correct? E yes, but no. <laughs> no, no it's not <laughs> i do offer so so the, the brand isn't that strong okay. well yeah right, I, right. I guess not you know if it was everyone's brand it would be a great place to be but um yeah <laughs> uh so kind of the four types of sessions that we can have are play and thought process improvement where we either play against each other or i watch one of your previous games and we take a deep dive into some decision-making that we made and why we made those decisions. In the past, I've done coaching, and we've just tried to play games on Magic Online where we talk to each other, and that's not very conducive to taking the deep kind of deep dives that I like to do. So I think that would, I would rather just focus on a couple of games. We can also do format knowledge reviews, archetype, archetype deep dives, where we dig into one particular deck or archetype. Um, and then I do offer a bundle uh, for uh, tournament preparation uh, because preparing for tournaments is probably going to, I'm, I'm probably going to want to offer more advice than I can squeeze into one session. I have a discount for a bundle of three sessions that you can get there. So if you're interested in any of that, please check it out. Cool, cool. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, this comes with our highest recommendation at the end of the show rather than doing a little like a little closing thing since that's boring and i i wouldn't listen to it if i were a listener we've just been doing a like here's one thing you can do to support the show and this week definitely check out collins's metify if you want to get some coaching definitely a, a great place to do it so uh high recommendation and yeah i appreciate it Honestly, that's pretty much it for us. I don't I don't have anything specific to say. Next week we will be back with the, you know, not not the full set review, but our top 5 lists from each color since we're back to sort of uh normal normal time with actual colors of cards and not just like a gigantic uh sludge of multicolored cards. So we'll do that top 5s episode, which should be fun. I really like the look of the set so far and I'm very excited for it and actually like probably will be burning some time on standard when I should be playing <laughs> a lot of Pioneer to prep for the regional championship, but you know, we'll we'll put that time in. That'll that'll happen. And and we all we all love Collins. And thank you so much for for wanting to podcast with us. Oh, you're Collins. very welcome. And this was yes. great. I love it. Yeah. Thank you for stopping by. Yeah. Unless we got anything else. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. Have a great week. Peace. Bye.